Welcome to the Bible Truth Podcast with Ron and Tim Reynolds, pastors and Bible teachers. Pastor Ron and Pastor Tim combined for more than 70 years of teaching and preaching God's Word. Listen now as they share the eternal truths of the Bible. Hello, friends. Thank you for tuning in to Bible Truth for Living. This is Pastor Tim Reynolds, your host. We're so excited to be with you today, whether you're listening by radio or by our podcast. A couple of announcements I want to make prior to bringing the message. First of all, we want to share our thoughts and prayers with the Fullerton family. Uh, Brother Morrow Fullerton went home to be with the Lord a couple of weeks ago, and we certainly want to uh, let Sister Beverly and uh, other family members know how much that we loved and cared uh, for Brother Merle. He was a, a dear personal friend of mine. Uh, he and my dad started their radio ministries about the same time in the early 70s, and um, Brother Merle was such a, a friend and mentor. He was a humble man. He had been in the ministry longer than I have been alive, and yet he always uh, treated me uh, as a uh, as a co-laborer in the Lord, and I always admired him for that, and such a just a, a wonderful, peaceful man. In fact, I had the opportunity to uh, sit down and just visit with him for uh, close to an hour. Um, not too long ago, we talked about some old-time revivals and different things that he had held and been a part of and and uh, some other things. And so uh, Brother Merle is home with Jesus, and we look forward to the day of seeing him again. Also, I would like to tell you about National Back to Church Sunday coming up on Sunday, September the 17th. We have several exciting things planned at both of the churches where I have the opportunity to pastor. First of all, at Mount Vernon Baptist Temple. We're located at 817 Woodland Drive, just off of Route 37 South in Mount Vernon. We begin every week at 9 o'clock with a fellowship and breakfast time, 9.30 Sunday school, 10 o'clock morning worship, and uh, that's the service I'll be uh, preaching and having uh, some special things going on that day on September the 17th. And then at Waltonville Community Church at 321 South Hiron Street, we're located across from the Waltonville Cafe. We begin every Sunday at 11.15 a.m., and we invite you to either church to celebrate National Back to Church Sunday. You know, a lot of folks have... Uh, maybe got out of the habit of going to church over the summer, perhaps have not returned to church since COVID. And it's a good time to get back in the swing of things, get back into attending church. And uh, if you do not have a home church, we hope you can join us. Today, I'm bringing a message from Ephesians chapter 4 titled, Let It Go. We're talking about letting go of baggage in our lives. The Bible says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed into the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Just a week or so ago, my wife and I made an overnight trip to Cincinnati with our daughter, Isabella. Isabella has a lot of special needs, and we frequently go to the children's hospital in that area uh, for different procedures that Isabella has. And this last trip uh, was only about a two-day trip, and we don't have to take a lot of baggage when we go on those short-term trips. Other trips have been two weeks or longer, and when that's the case, we take more baggage, you know. So it depends on whether you're going short-term or long-term, how much baggage you take 
take with you. Now, traveling through life involves baggage. When we say baggage, we often say, well, someone is carrying a lot of baggage. It has a negative connotation to it because we think of baggage as being mistakes, regrets, bad choices, uh, hurts and pain and disappointments in life. And that is certainly true. I think there are three facts about baggage that we must realize. Number one, baggage has a tendency to accumulate. If you've ever uh, gone out to clean your garage after a while, you notice how much stuff you accumulate, even things you really could discard and get rid of, but you just accumulate them if you're not careful. You certainly find that out when you move. If you've lived in a place for a certain period of time and you uh, get ready to move, you find out, man, where did all this stuff come from? Well, that's how it is. Uh, Baggage tends to accumulate. Number two, baggage tends to multiplicate. All right. So just as baggage accumulates in life, you know, for example, if you're if you have a, a problem with anger, anger can turn to bitterness. It can turn to uh, having a bad temper and, and uh, not dealing with stress very well. It just accumulates. Well, it multiplicates as well because uh, you not only have your baggage, but think about this. When when a couple gets married he has his baggage and she has her baggage. So all of the things he has brought from his past, his growing up, and everything she has from her past comes together. And then think about this. What if you get married two times or three times? Well, you're taking on all the baggage of the next person, plus you're still holding the baggage of your previous relationship. And then you add in the baggage of more in-laws And then you have maybe stepchildren. I mean, this thing just, before you know it, you end up with all kinds of baggage. It accumulates, and then it multiplicates. And then lastly, baggage replicates. That means when we don't deal with the baggage in our lives and we we let it just pile up, we eventually pass it on to our children and to our grandchildren. Uh, For example, uh, you know, you think of today's national debt. What are we? I think $20 trillion is our national debt. And we keep kicking the can down the road, road financially, you know. So uh, we don't deal with it. Our children, our grandchildren, other generations have to deal with it. Same way with our baggage. Uh, our children learn to handle anger, criticism, bitterness, disappointment from us. And if we don't correct that, they end up being just like us and our grandchildren. It perpetuates generationally. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 5 says, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations. So today I want to speak about letting go of baggage in our lives. In verse 29, it begins with, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. And then verse 31, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor be put away. That word let, let implies choice. So listen, you have a choice whether you're going to hold on to your baggage or let go of your baggage. That involves personal responsibility and choice. The reason I say that is I've heard people say before, well, I just can't help it. I can't help that I'm angry. I can't help that I just say things I shouldn't say. I can't help it. Or they'll say, well, my my spouse makes me do that. They've brought me to the point where I'm just so angry I lash out or that's the way I was raised. Well, if you don't watch it, pretty soon you just make excuses and you can't let it go because you won't take personal responsibility. Uh, One of uh, the things I enjoy is sports, and Philadelphia 76ers basketball team uh, had a motto last year called Trust the Process. When you think of process, process involves three things. Number one, it takes time, all right? So you don't just ditch your baggage overnight, all right? It's going to take some time. It's a process. Number two, it involves trust. 
Uh, trust the process. You know, it's like a coach this time of year as football season's beginning and the coach has players run through drill after drill after drill and players sometimes wonder, why are we doing all these drills? Well, the coach will say, trust the process. You have to go through the drills in order to perform well in the game. So it involves time. It involves trust. And then number three, and I think this may be the most important, it requires teachability. If you're not teachable, you'll just keep making the same mistakes. Listen, if we are still making the same mistakes in our 50s that we made in our 20s, we're not being very teachable. It's like the definition of insanity. Keep doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. You've also heard the saying, there's no fool like an old fool, because that's someone who has not learned from their uh, from their mistakes. So uh, we're talking about letting go now, and letting go involves a three-step process, all right? So number one, there is the process of identification. Now, here's what I mean. You cannot let go of what you don't know. If you don't recognize the baggage that you're carrying, if you don't identify it, it's going to be hard to get rid of it. Now, Paul lists at least seven different types of baggage in this text. He mentions corrupt communication, bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, and malice. These are all things that are baggage. And when you read through those carefully, you find out that they develop in the mind and then they're displayed by the mouth. These things just come out. The Bible says out of the abundance of the heart or the mind, the mouth speaketh. Now, these things just scratch the surface of emotional baggage we can carry. There's all kinds of different things. We could talk about guilt and shame and and, uh, regret and disappointments and pains. But when we talk about baggage, we need to be able to identify it. You know, much like a person goes to the airport. When you go to the airport and you get ready to get on the airplane, you get a, a tag to identify your baggage so that hopefully your baggage and you arrive at the same time, same place. And when you go to the claim area, you can locate your baggage because it has been identified. Now, how do we identify the baggage in our lives? It's important to do because we can get so used to living this way that we fail to identify it and see the problem. Well, number one, we should ask God to reveal it. That is one benefit of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 14 and verse 26, Jesus says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall, number one, teach you all things. So he's the best teacher of the Holy Spirit. Number two, bring all things to your remembrance. If you'll get alone with God and say, God, please show me some of these areas I'm carrying baggage in that I need to let go of. Maybe it's some hurts, some some grudges, some regrets, some disappointments. Uh, But Lord, identify these things in my life. Now, that's one benefit of the Holy Spirit. But wait a minute. If you're not saved, you don't have that benefit because you've never been indwelt by the Spirit. What you need to do is get saved. And then the Bible says the Holy Spirit indwells you. your, Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And now the Holy Spirit can help you. And one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to teach us and to bring things to our remembrance and our realization so so that we can deal with them, all right? So number one, ask God to reveal it. Number two, ask others to reveal it. Now, you don't want to go to your worst enemy and ask them to reveal your baggage because they would probably unload on you, all right? But you need to have some um, people that are close Christian friends and brothers whom you can be accountable to and can be honest with you. They're not going to take the information and gossip about it, but they're going to strengthen you because they can be honest with you. Here's what Proverbs seventeen seventeen says, a friend loveth at all times. You know, some friends are just there when times are good. 
but a true friend is there at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. You really find out who your brother is, and not only blood-wise, physically, but we call one another brother and sister in Christ. Your brother is there whenever you're going through adversity in life. You know, I have three brothers, one's in heaven, and, and one thing about brothers, they are brutally honest, you know. Uh, someone else may be too polite to tell me that my breath is bad, but my brother would tell me, he'd say, man, your breath is bad, here's some gum or <laughs> or a mint, or, uh, you know, hey, uh, you have some food on your face. Someone may be too polite to tell you, but a brother will tell you. Why? Because uh, he loves you, and he's just comfortable with telling it like it is, and we need people like that in our lives. By the way, we also need to be willing and able to take constructive criticism. Sometimes we just fall apart if someone criticizes, and usually even even negative criticism will often have some truth in it. But constructive criticism is whenever you say, you know, do you see some areas in my life that that are are not going right, that maybe some baggage I'm carrying, and that person says, yeah, you know, uh, you sure do. Take that constructively and use it and learn from it. Here's another good proverb, Proverbs 19, verse 20, hear counsel and receive instruction. You see, don't just hear it. You can hear it and then just walk away and continue doing, you know, the the same old thing you've been doing, but hear counsel and receive instruction that thou mayest be wise in thy latter end. In other words, learn from that instruction. You know, maybe after losing 15 jobs, it's not the manager, it's not the boss, maybe it's you. Maybe after four or five failed marriages, it's not always that other person. Maybe it's you. You've got to be honest enough with self to say, you know what? I need to learn. I'm, I'm, I'm just making the same mistake over and over here. And so the process of identification, number two, there is then the process of rectification. Now, the word rectify means to make right and to move forward, to make it right and move forward. I don't believe anyone wakes up in the morning deciding, well, I think I'm going to be bitter today. This is a good day to be bitter. Or I think I'll slander somebody. You know, I just feel like running somebody down today. No, that's a process, all right? Usually it's something that we've let it fester over time and we become bitter and we become uh, slanderers and things like that. So now that we've identified the baggage, uh, now we need to begin the process of making it right. So let's talk about the process of rectification. Number one, the first person we need to make things right with is God. We need to realize that these things, such as bitterness and anger and and malice, all of these things are sins that must be dealt with. Now, uh, let's go to 1 John chapter 1, and let me explain quickly the difference in repentance and confession, because they're very similar, but there's a little bit of difference. Repentance is a change of thought. It's a change of mind. Then it will create a change of direction. You know, the sinner needs to repent. Repentance is a very vital part of the salvation process. You know, if we don't repent, Um, we don't change our ways. You know, we think, well, Jesus will just make my life better. No. Repentance says, I'm sorry for my sin. And I'm what I was thinking before the direction I was heading. I'm not doing that any longer. That's repentance. Confession is agreement with God. That is what we as believers need to do is come to God in confession, agreeing with him when we have sinned and confessing and making that thing right. Listen to first John chapter one and verse eight. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. There's nothing worse than being self-deceived. Now, this verse is for Christians. 
He says, if a Christian says, well, I don't have any sin, I don't have any baggage, I don't have any of these things I'm carrying, we're just deceiving ourselves, the Bible says. So the first thing to do, as I mentioned a while ago, is identify it, admit it, come into agreement with God. Yes, I've, I have a problem. I'm bitter. I'm angry. All right. Now, here's the next thing to do. Number, uh, verse 9. If we confess our sins, there's our part, confession, agreement. He, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then for good measure, verse 10 again repeats, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So the first person we need to make things right with is God. You need to confess it. Once it's identified, confess it. And then number two, oftentimes we need to make things right with other people. We can't be in right fellowship with God and in wrong fellowship with others. Here's what 1 John 1 verse 6 says. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, here it is, we have fellowship one with another. So now that I've confessed and make things right with God, I need to make sure that, I'm, uh, that I make things right with other people if necessary so that I have fellowship with them and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sins. Back in our text, Ephesians chapter 4 and uh, verse 32 uh, says this, Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Just remember this, you'll never have to forgive anyone more than what God has forgiven you for sin. And God has forgiven you and I for Christ's sake. When we accept the Lord Jesus Christ, we receive the forgiveness of God on the basis of what Christ has done for us. Jesus took it a step farther. He said, don't even uh, try to offer something good uh, until you make things right with the brother. You see, sometimes we think, well, you know, I'm going to hold on to this grudge, but I'm going to church, I'm giving my tithes and offerings, I'm serving God, and that'll make up for it. No, it won't. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 5, verse 23. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Now, notice, first of all, this doesn't say if you have something against someone else, but I mentioned a while ago, if you ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it, maybe there's someone else that has something against you. He says, leave your gift. Don't just pocket it. Don't just take, walk away with it. Leave your gift to the altar and go make things right. Be reconciled. Now you say, what if they won't accept my apology? Well, that's on them. You've done what God has asked you to do. Jesus goes on and says, agree with thine adversary quickly while thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge. Here's the point Jesus is making. If we will not deal with these things uh, in this life, God has no alternative but as a righteous judge to deal with it in the next life. We would be better off to deal with the baggage that we have, and if it means writing a letter, making a phone call, sending an email or a text, whatever it takes to make reconciliation and make right, we need to do that. If not, you become a prisoner to your own baggage. Holding grudges and unforgiveness only makes life miserable for self. In fact, you don't own your baggage now. Your baggage owns you. And you don't want to be owned by your baggage. So that's the process of rectification. So we've looked at identification and rectification. The last one, number three, the process of conformation. Now, the word conform means to adapt to something or to someone. 
let's say a young recruit goes to military basic training. Training. What is that all about? Is that just because you have a, a drill instructor who's just angry and wants to bark out uh, his uh, anger at you for 16 weeks? No, there's a reason for all of that. It's it's teaching the recruit to conform to the structure and the regimen of the military. They tell you when to get up, when to go to bed, when to eat, when to get dressed, when to polish your shoes, all of these things. Why do they do that? Well, it's to learn to conform to what the military structure and regimen is. Now, this same process of confirmation is involved in the Christian life. Two areas were to conform, all right? Number one, as Christians, we are to conform to the life of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Romans 8 and verse 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Now, the truth is, we're either going to conform to Jesus or conform to the world. The world has its way of thinking. What I'm sharing with you today, the world would disagree with. The world says, look out for yourself, for number one. If you're angry, you're bitter, maybe see a therapist, but you need to take care of number one. The Bible teaches the exact opposite. So we're either going to conform to Christ and the way he would do things or conform to the world. Paul says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, be not conformed to this world. Don't be driven toward the way the world thinks and behaves, but be transformed or changed by the renewing of your mind. You renew your mind by listening to a program like this, by going to church, reading your Bible, praying, listening to gospel music, getting with Christian friends. That's all the ways that we transform our mind so that the pattern of our thinking, our feeling, our behavior is following the life of Christ and not of the world. Now, this last point will sound strange, especially if you don't think spiritually. But not only are we to conform to the life of Christ, but we are to conform to the death of Christ. Now, that sounds sort of strange, but listen to what the Bible says in Philippians 3 and verse 10, that I may know him, all right, and that ought to be the goal of every believer is to know more about Jesus. I want to know him, but there's, there's a price to pay for that, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Don't say you want to know more about Jesus if you don't want to uh, have any suffering, all right? Suffering is just part of the package. Now, listen to this last part of verse 10 being made conformable unto his death. What in the world does that mean? It means this. As we pattern our life after the life of Jesus Christ, we learn to die to self. In other words, we no longer respond the way we want to respond. The flesh wants to respond. We don't lash out. We don't stay bitter. We don't say things we shouldn't say because that old person has died, is crucified with Christ. Here's another good verse, Romans 8, verse 13. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify, the word mortify, you think of a mortician, mortify, put to death the deeds of the body, ye shall live. So I no longer go by my feelings or by how I want to emotionally lash out. I am following the life of Christ because I'm made conformable to the death of Christ. I'm dying to self. Now let me finish with this. Satan wants to use our baggage against us. He, he will remind you every opportunity he gets. You think you're doing all right, and then he'll remind you of that thing you did 20 years ago. And he wants you to be in bitterness. He wants you to be angry. Why? Because he's, he's a, a thief. He's a liar. He's a murderer. The Bible says that Satan is, a, is the murderer. He's the father of lies. Listen to John 10.10. 10. 
Jesus says in John chapter 10 and verse 10, the thief, referring to Satan, cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He wants, first of all, the unbeliever, he wants to steal, kill, and destroy so you have no opportunity for salvation. But what about the Christian? He can't take your salvation, but he can steal your joy, your peace, your contentment, your testimony. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy by using this baggage that we allow to pile up. But here's what Jesus says. He says, I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. So either we're going to hold on to our baggage and let Satan be the, the, the thief that steals and kills and destroys, or we're going to identify it, we're going to rectify it, we're going to confess it, we're going to even make some things right with people, and then we're going to conform to the life and death of the Lord Jesus Christ so we can live this life more abundantly. Some of you may have heard of Corey Ten Boom. She is the one who wrote the book, The Hiding Place. It was even made into a movie. Corey Ten Boom's uh, family hid uh, some of the Jewish people during the Holocaust in Nazi Germany. Well, they were found out, and she and many of her family members went to the concentration camps, and several of them died. And even after the Holocaust and World War II was over, Corey Ten Boom held on to bitterness uh, and anger because of the things that she saw and she witnessed and experienced. And it was really hard for her to let that go. And I can only imagine what that must have been like. But she went to an old Lutheran pastor and told him about her problem with this. And he gave her a good illustration. He said, Corey, above the church here are some church bells and attached to those bells is a long rope. And every time we have a call to service, someone pulls that rope and the bells will ring. Bong, bong, bong. And as long as that rope is being pulled, the bells will toll. But when the person lets go of the rope, the bells begin to fade and eventually they stop. And he said, Corey, forgiveness is like that rope. As long as you keep pulling that rope of bitterness and anger, you're just going to keep hearing those bells and it's just going to keep on troubling you. Corey, what you need to do is let go of the rope. Quit pulling, and if you quit pulling on the rope, and if you quit letting these things uh, affect your life, that bitterness, that anger, that malice, that strife will begin to dissipate, and eventually the Lord Jesus Christ will take care of that, and you'll no longer have that. And Corey said that from then on, I begin to understand what I needed to do. I needed to let it go. So that's my encouragement for all of us today. Let go of this baggage that may be holding you back. All right. Thank you so much for listening today. I pray the message was a help to you. I look forward to being with you at our next appointed time. And until then, this is Pastor Tim Reynolds saying, may God bless you is my prayer. You've been listening to the Bible Truth Podcast with your host pastors, Tim and Ron Reynolds. They can be contacted on the Mount Vernon Baptist Temple Facebook page, or you may send Pastor Tim an email to T-I-M-R-E-Y-1 at Hotmail.com. Or if you prefer, mail correspondence to Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Again, that's Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois 62864. Thank you for listening.